0: welcome this is the lone star actual play shatter podcast i'm Vox. the case is closed the bad guys are dead or in jail we've come to the end of the lone star campaign in this final episode We wrap up a few loose ends. Mr. J reveals the secrets that the players did not uncover. And we have an out-of-character conversation about what it was like to run on the semi-legal side. We hope you've enjoyed the Lone Star campaign. And we hope you'll enjoy what we have coming up next.
1: epilogue of the Lone Star campaign. Last time, you pulled off a pretty successful operation uh, tailing Taco and some of his associates to a uh, meet with the mysterious hooded figure in a barn somewhere and said, calling in a high threat response and going after him. Big combat ensues, including it with a big spirit, and you managed to capture um taco taco's two compatriots he escapes in the fracas uh there's a really huge beast spirit that pretty much takes the entire combined forces of the high threat response team and uh several of you to take out nina who is hiding in the uh back rear position managed to um hobble and uh take out the hooded figure and he discovered uh well basically a t-bird With a cargo of lots and 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 lots lots of bomb satchels. Uh, Taco managed to escape, but you were able to, I believe um, it was Voss's efforts with uh, using his spirits to track him down. And basically picked up on him before he could get behind the mana barrier of his own inner sanctum uh, magical lodge in the basement of El Rancho del Taco. Cleared the place out and prepared to kind of root him out of there and he nearly thwarted you guys or managed to escape by calling up a, another really huge bee spirit but Voss managed to burn edge and banish the thing while he was right on the open so you're able to capture him alive as well uh, in addition to some of his other associates who were in the area. Did I miss anything? Sounds
2: about right.
1: Rob you're a bit quiet there you want to turn your mic up a bit Better? Yep. Yeah. It's a little better yeah I think I can pr- just turn my volume level up as well so I can just hear better that's probably part of it Okay, so you had called in the bomb squads to safe the large amount of explosives, and they went through it, and they basically deemed that all of the bombs were ready to go, ready to be activated uh, they were mostly set up with fairly simple mechanical timers that would be difficult to stop without actually physically going up to them and turning them off and um but there, there were many, many different bombs, enough to essentially level a number of, well, prominent buildings in the city, which you expect was the plan. Which ones you're not exactly sure of. Let's see, Taco and his associates are all... I mean, the, you guys run uh, DNA scans and various different ID attempts and find them all to be sinless. And they, they do have uh, some pretty good fake sins, but with uh, the level of scrutiny being... levered at them. They uh, are exposed as really, really well-made fake sins. So exactly who they are and where they came from is difficult to discern. Uh, Taco, pretty much no matter what anybody tries, he refuses to speak. and He seems to be very resistant to any uh, magical mental intrusions. You do have a number of other associates, such as Paco and his brother Fernando, and the other two that you picked up outside of the El Rancho Del Taco, when going after Taco for the last time. So it's the day after the, the big bust. Uh, a lot of information's come through, and um, you're, Tony, you are summoned to the Lone Star HQ from uh, somewhat a bit higher up in corporate. I go. See so what would be a good title for, uh, let's just say, um, oh, let's no, give me a sec here, i got to look up a name.
0: Call them Administrator So-and-so.
2: Are you thinking a corporate title, or are you thinking more of a Lone Star title, or a title? Senior Vice President of Dallas-Fort Worth
3: something or other? Oh, Regional. wouldn't it be like a military rank, like a
2: colonel? Or a commander?
0: I thought you said it was a corporate person. But are a
2: Lone Star. <laughs> Regional Director of Operations.
0: Lovely.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Right, yes, yeah, so you're, you're called him by the Regional Director of Operations, as in, like, not Dallas-Fort Worth, but more Texas. And uh, basically, you're being called in for a meeting. The HQ is uh, has, has undergone its repairs and and upgrades and, and cleaning um, to to you know, prevent the nanite intrusion from spreading. And uh, the the building itself is is being is uh, is starting to be used again. Uh, people are setting up office space, and the the place has a very busy buzz to it, and uh, there's sort of a sense of uh, rejuvenation. Like things, are, things are starting to get done here again and you kind of pick yourselves up and uh, the star is, is back on track at least their HQ you know, there were other precincts and, and such were, were not directly harmed the beatings have improved morale <laughs> <laughs> so
3: I'm we, um, of course wearing my usual uh, uniform made out of high class materials
1: so you're invited there and uh, there's also uh, you're suggested to bring along uh, the team members of your task force I bring my
3: team members. Hey, team. Meeting.
4: Is this a uh, dress uniform occasion? Just be dressed.
3: (laughs)
2: Okay. Pants. Got it.
3: We're meeting the regional director of operations. I get the sneaky peek inside their head. That's going to be
5: awesome. (laughs) I'm totally going to get a medal.
4: (laughs) If they're handing out medals. Maybe I can trade my medal in for a new paint
1: shop for the ice cream truck. <laughs> yeah, the, the medals really aren't worth that much, monetarily speaking. <sighs> There's a way to give a pat on the back that is uh, otherwise, um, you know, otherwise uh, uh, doesn't cost them any resources. I believe in the actual military, um, being awarded a medal is, you're awarded the honor, but then you actually have to pay for the medal itself, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> nice. Of course, I, I could be mistaken. I, I think I've heard that from a couple of people. Sounds about right. All right. So you arrive at the HQ again. It's a uh, it's it's bustling as you're uh, entering, and you see a uh, uh, Buckner uh, approaches and, and waves you down. He's got a, uh, a data pad in his hand. He's approaching. Hello, Buckner. Lieutenant. He stops and salutes you. I salute him back. Uh, Everything seems to be uh, running along here. Uh, it seems you've got a, a, a someone higher up uh, who's. Was visiting. I was uh, attached to his uh, aid team and uh, asked to, to assist with any with anything here. So, um, uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll lead you right on up there. We'll be meeting in the the conference room on the top floor. Lead on, Buckner. All right. He heads on over to the elevator and starts it up. See the uh, there's definitely some signs of uh, you know the panel having been replaced in the elevator. A lot of the electronics of the building have been swapped out. And it speeds along up to the top floor. Opens up, and yeah, up here there's a. You see, there's a, a trio of uh, people in suits who you don't recognize uh, walk walking past the elevator in the hallway on their way to one of the rooms. And Buckner steps out uh, right this way and leads you to the conference room. You've you've been there you know a few times, but it's usually usually used for you know higher up more corporate style meetings. So it's not it's not a room that you've used a lot and when the door opens you see there are a number of uh, people in the room looks like seven of them one of which you recognize is the uh, what did we call it the regional uh, director of regional operations
2: regional director of operations
1: yes Yes. the RDO (laughs) I'm sure they would acronymize that I'm not sure if that's a word but anyway acronymize there's got to be a less clunky way to say that acronymize no Anyway. Or just call it redirect. The RD. The regional director is there, but um, he's not the one standing at the head of the table. Um, Give me a uh, police procedures knowledge skill roll, everyone. There's an uh, older man uh, in a really impeccable suit. basically just sort of sitting at the head of the table, who does not stand as you enter. He's got this, this dark gray suit, really nice-looking tie that, if any of you actually know anything about fashion, uh, can figure this, his tie probably cost would, would cost a couple months' salary from uh, the LTs at the LTs pay scale. He's got a dark dark tan skin and uh, really well-manicured uh, silver hair. I have one hit. I have two.
4: Four hits.
2: Three.
1: Okay. One. Any, anybody gets three or more hits... Um, it, it takes that just because the the level of disbelief that would probably be in in the way of um, making the connection with just one or two hits. Uh, recognizes the, this person with a sense of authority and power uh, from the Lone Star uh, employee handbook as uh, the CEO of the company, Mr. Uh, Wilson.
4: I'll send a quick uh, text to everybody. Whoa. The,
1: Theodore yeah. W.D. Winslow, yes, CEO of Lone Star. Check it better. out,
4: Winslow made it. That's crazy. Wonder who here's here to see.
0: They wouldn't send a CEO to fire people, would they?
1: Depends on how they want to fire them. Shit. Depends Shit. on
6: what and kind of message they want to
1: make. The other people <laughs> in the room have this straight. The other people in the room uh, have this sort of nondescript blandness, but um, sort of ready state that um, kind, of, kind of comes off much like uh, sort of that, that secret service vibe
2: they complete with nondescript dark suits earpieces and, and
1: uh dark mirror shades uh well they, they've got the dark shades uh the earpieces wouldn't be visible but yeah pretty much Though so, uh one of them actually does have a fairly obvious um a really nice um assault rifle that he's not you know wielding at the moment but does have you know at at the ready so if he should need to shoot someone he could do so in, you know probably a fraction of a second's time are there places for us to sit Uh, There are plenty of seats. Uh, Buckner uh, kind of steps in and and salutes and um, at the nod of the RD you are invited to have a seat at the table.
2: Let's do that. I sit. Me too. I do my best to sit at attention. (laughs) I'll sit and I'll even keep my feet on the floor this time.
1: Holmes is not impressed. All right. Yeah, the, the RD, um, who you recognize as a man named Reginald Barnes, um, he uh, nods and takes a seat at the uh, table uh, nearest CEO, Winslow, and he says, oh, Well, uh, thank you for uh, arriving so quickly. I know you've had a busy day or, well, you've had uh, quite a busy time these last few weeks. First of all, uh, I'd like to congratulate you on your successful operation though there is uh, still much to be done. Uh, there's little known about this, this organization that you have managed to track down, and while you've obviously uh, stopped the the weapons pipeline and intercepted a, what would be a catastrophic amount of explosives coming into the area, there are still many, many questions that need to be answered, and we need to see to it that that Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is secured, and... The faith is rightfully restored in Lone Star, based on the the significant setbacks that that this that this Metroplex's uh, force has has sustained. So once again, I'd like to congratulate you all on a job well done. Slow clap. Thank you, sir. And as he's speaking, you kind of see uh, Winslow is kind of eyeing each of you up in turn. Um, Watching your reactions closely, kind of getting a feel for you, obviously sizing you up. Probably comparing information from an AR window on your files to what he's seeing in front of him.
0: Nina's not very good at hiding uh, her emotions, and right now she's... She came into the meeting feeling like she was going to be canned, and now she's slightly, uh, slightly disbelieving, trying to hide it. Kind of like, uh, great, um... When is this meeting over?
3: Tony, of course, is absolutely comfortable and fit in doing everything he's supposed to in this meeting.
6: Uh, Holmes Holmes looks like uh, he anticipated this all along because he is awesome, so why didn't this come earlier, I guess?
2: (laughs) Nice. And we're all severely impressed by the humility.
6: Or perhaps Tony's really good at hiding
3: the fact that he's clueless.
1: (laughs) At that point, Winslow speaks up. Yeah, so I imagine it will be some time before the the paperwork is filed uh, in, in in all of its completeness regarding the operations. Uh, I thought it best to get here as quickly as possible and see to the quick dispersal of information i'd like to be de- I'd like to be personally de- personally debriefed on the events that transpired most recently in a uh, m- immediate and uh, concise fashion. He turns to the lieutenant. Uh, Lieutenant Chavez, you are in command of this task force, correct?
3: Yes. Um, How far back do you need to be apprised? Are you just interested in the most recent operations, sir?
1: Let's just go with the most recent 24 hours. I've been provided with files uh, based on your paperwork from the previous operations, and I'm sure I'd like some insight in those regards as well. I, I don't... I don't intend to get into the micromanagement, but I do need to have an understanding of this. This has been one of the most significant threats to Lone Star since the unfortunate events that led to Knight Aaron's um, acquisition of the contract in Seattle. And I do not want to see a repeat of that here,
2: Well, so I'm making
1: this a top priority. So, please enlighten well- me.
3: Well, sir, as a result of our earlier operations, we had established uh, long-term surveillance on one of our leads. And as a result of those leads uh, and information we had gained, when we observed that uh, these uh, criminals uh, undertaking activity to uh, get together and act to smuggle in goods, which we had been tasked to find, uh, we uh, proceeded to um, follow them in operation, uh, established that they were following the same modus operandi that they had done previously, and when they arrived, we uh, uh, engaged the resources of the department in uh, apprehending them.
1: All right, and uh, who were these persons that were captured alive? Well... There were two at the site of the barn, and three that were captured afterwards at the restaurant.
3: So, uh, most of those apprehended were part of a local criminal element that were cooperating with this outside element to uh, introduce all of the weapons and civil disturbances uh, which the area had been suffering.
1: All right. And the person who was killed at on site at the barn location, this was the outside element?
3: Uh, unfortunately... Uh, as sometimes happens, uh, the he that outside element did suffer uh, uh, severe injury and death uh, during the event. And why did you not capture him alive? Well, frankly, he uh, was really too dangerous. I fear that uh, um, he would have... Uh, destroyed uh, our entire team was not worth the risk of um, allowing him to escape or uh, eliminate
1: uh, us. We had to take uh, severe measures to make sure he was put down. Be I'm not here to second-guess decisions that were made in the field of combat. I just need to understand the situation as best I can. There was uh, some unusual footage of this person on fire, but acting most unusual for a person on fire.
3: Yes, uh, that is one of the elements uh, that made us regard him as a very serious threat.
1: I see. So, these others that you captured, one of them is the ringleader? Yes, Taco. It's it's doubtful he'll be speaking, but uh, lean on his underlings. Get whatever you can from them. We need to find out anything we can about uh, any uh, gangs that might have been supplied by these. These these people should be a, a font of information. I'm willing to offer anything necessary, uh, deal deal-wise to secure a deal with with one of them. Um, the ringleader uh, will will pay with full with the full weight of the law, as will any of the others who do not speak up. But I'm willing to to offer anything up to and including uh, complete amnesty to one of them, should they give us all the information we need, and that information is verified by the successful completion of the operation. I understand, sir. I'll leave that discretion up to the person in charge. Uh, with the unfortunate death of Captain Madison, uh, the Lone Star operations of the Metroplex have been uh, largely disrupted, cons- especially concerning the, the level of difficulty in securing the headquarters and subsequent operations, of course, I'm sure you're all familiar with. So, Captain Chavez, I'd like to see you personally take charge of the situation here and get the house back in order. I salute. I'll leave the disposition of the persons underneath your command up to you. Uh, I recommend some pay increases or are in order in a number of promotions, but you know your people best. Just see to it that you use the assets you acquired to bring this operation to a close and get the Metroplex back under smoother operation. Yes, sir. Who's hungry? Anybody know a good place for ribs around here?
2: Uh, there's a place called Rudy's just down the road, sir. Uh, I could uh, ping you the coordinates if you want.
1: Let's uh, let's just all go here. We'll we'll take my Vtol. Can I drive? Yikes!
4: <laughs> I was wanting to find a Vtol.
1: Remember, this
0: is a different game.
1: <laughs> kind of uh, eyes you up a bit, and you see the—you you just sort of get the sense that he's digging in your files to, to see your classifications. How many ranks do you have in the the pilot uh, aircraft skill?
4: Mm, that would mean me having to find my character sheet. Please stand by. We are experiencing <laughs> technical difficulties.
6: Oh, <laughs> well, you know, he has between zero and one.
0: <laughs> no,
4: I'm pretty sure I have several.
0: This is what audio ed- editing is for. It's all good you got yeah, all
6: those flying
4: drones, don't you? You should be pretty good at it. Exactly! Here, there's Billy Joe right on top.
2: Let's
4: see. It would be under pilot something, wouldn't it?
1: Yep. I yes, got ten pilot dice. Aircraft. Pilot aircraft, ten
4: dice.
1: And, uh, uh, kind of looks over at you, kind of, uh, looks over at one of the, um, Secret Service looking dudes who gives a slight shake of his head. Maybe next time. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think he'll have much trouble getting, uh, Getting clearance for the advanced training.
4: Man, I got edge too. I could totally do this. <laughs> Damn! I could be lucky. LT, <laughs> tell him. Tell him, uh, 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 ca- Captain, tell him.
3: Billy Joe, when you earn your own VTOL, I'm sure
1: he'll let you pilot him around for a bit.
4: So, what you're saying is next week. Okay. I got you, Captain.
1: Yeah, so uh, the CEO of Lone Star takes you all up for ribs. Nobody talks business at that point. It's a. Uh... It's uh, actually fairly casual, a uh, uh, casual event. Uh, he does rent out the um, one of the sort of meeting room areas, so you all have your own, basically, a, a private room there for it. Would anybody like to kill the? Um, would like to attempt to kill the CEO of Lone Star while you're there?
2: Oh, thank I you. would not
1: like to. Because it would I'm be a good. perfect opportunity to try. It might be suicidal, but you know. I don't know. Is he magically active? Um, you go to a sensor, and you see that there are like a half a dozen. Probably Force 8 Spirits just kind of hanging out. They have kind of the Secret Service look about them as well. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't look like he's magically active, though. Uh, Two of the Secret Service guys are.
6: Nope, not today.
1: All right, well, you have a a pleasant meal uh, where you are are served ribs, and they are very good. You actually get the actual meat ones. And after a couple hours, uh, uh, CEO Winslow bids you farewell. You're, You're given a ride back to the Lone Star HQ, and you've got a lot of work to do. Nice, so we got a uh, lunch on the company Dime. That's unusual.
3: And I did not get any barbecue sauce on my uniform. Hooray! No, you managed to get a promotion on your
6: uniform.
2: <laughs> See, what you got to learn is there's a certain way that you fold the napkin that you place on your chest to make sure that it forms a protective shield around you know, the uniform. Because we all know that ribs cannot, cannot be eaten in a civilized fashion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. so, well, I'm going to, again, speed things along uh, epilogue-style here. Um, again, Taco completely refused to speak. Um, you managed to uh, break one of the... Uh, one Of the, uh, over the course, of the next few days, you managed to break one of the members of the organization, actually Paco, based on uh, his, prote- his wanting to protect his brother, Fernando. And he makes a deal, and he gives up... Uh, See All the gangs who received weapons, as well as locations of various weapons caches that they set up. And over the course of the next few weeks, you, um, Lone Star uh, performs a massive cleanup operation, going after these gangs, capturing these weapons, securing them, uh, You know, checking them over, destroying many of them. And Tony, you're, you're promoted to captain if you didn't catch that, and you're placed in charge of Lone Star DFW.
3: Oh my goodness. Well, uh, Buckner is being promoted. No, (laughs) (laughs) because I need an special administrative assistant for all my coffee and everything. He knows everybody in the station. And uh, uh, who's it? uh, Boy, one one of those dip. I need somebody really know who knows the most uh, Lone Star procedure stuff.
5: Probably me. I'm rolling eleven dice on it.
6: Yeah, definitely him. Yep.
3: Yep. So uh, you have a desk now.
4: <laughs>
3: nice.
4: Hey, Captain. Hey, Captain, my Captain. Hey, Captain, 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 Captain. Yes, Bill Joe. Can I go to uh, uh, VTOL training school, please? Please, 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 come on, please, please, come on, Captain. Come on, Captain, my Captain. Come on, please, 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 please. please, please. Oh, my gosh.
3: <laughs> Well, if you uh, qualify, Billy Joe, and there's a slot, I'll, I'll certainly authorize it.
6: Go uh, talk to Voss.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Voss, the new desk jockey. <laughs>
6: is Voss's uh, first act as head administrator in the building is to remove all vending machines from site?
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, there's something for everybody. Yeah, so what are you doing with Detective Holmes?
5: Well, after I finish filing the paperwork uh, involving specialized uh, earthquake-proof mounting brackets for all the vending machines, (laughs) I'm going to make sure that uh, with four hits on my police procedure or uh, my paperwork roll to get Billy Joel into the nearest uh, or the soonest training program. Yeah, Voss rules!
3: Sweet. Well, what does Holmes want?
5: I am going to. Uh, I'm going to start working on uh, creating my own little fiefdom here, exchanging uh, favors for uh, uh, increased efficiency in paperwork processing.
0: And this whole thing just degenerates into House of Cards. Admit it. Pretty much.
6: <laughs> 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 We've resorted Never. back to back scratching only.
0: We've we've never really known him, but now we will.
5: Holmes, what did you need?
6: Uh, As far as what Holmes wants, he just wants to go back to uh, his playground of messing with people's minds out in the field. He doesn't want rank or file or title or anything. He just wants to be uh, left to his own devious ends.
3: You know, a special task force to to, uh, have uh, people... uh, uh, Extensive undercover and criminal contacts uh, certainly seems like a worthwhile thing to do. Look what happened when went our operation.:
6: No kidding. That sounds like, a, sounds like a great place to start.:
3: What do uh, Nina what does Nina want?:
6: Can I make a special request to have Buckner assigned to my detail? Uh, no, he's mine. <laughs> Damn it.
0: Uh, Nina just wants to keep doing what she's been doing. She doesn't want anything special.
1: Yeah, I guess as you're looking at the paperwork for Nina as well, there is a recommendation for RD that Nina would uh, work well as uh, the a, a commander for uh, high threat response, and uh, uh, Garrett, Garrett would would certainly be recommended for that duty as well. Well, I understand. I'm, yeah. Okay. But it's up to your discretion. You're you're the boss. Of, you're, you know, for now. <laughs> I
3: think you know if they're in the HTR, that keeps them off the street and dealing with members of the public, so that'd be
4: good.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, Nina and Garrett, you're, you're offered positions in uh, uh, leadership positions in high threat response.
2: No. Yeah, you know, someone's got to show you boys how to do it.
1: So you get to be the people who uh, get to show up and, and clean up after after uh, the, uh, lo- the lower level officers uh, muck things up and have been hiding under cover for a while. Expert
6: door kickers.
1: Well, so Nina, Nina, you're turning this down. Would you prefer
5: an appointment to a deep cover position
6: with Detective Holmes?
0: Uh, probably not. That last little, uh, that last little vaunt in cover almost made me lose lose my lunch. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally fine. Just keeping on. But the task force's gone now. Shit.
3: Exactly. I mean, you're going to go back to street patrol. Or you can be part of, uh, you know, you, ha- you have to pick a unit that you're going to be in. That was a special task force.
0: Uh, th- th- let me keep working with, uh, with, Ga- with Garrett, you know. I don't have to lead my own stuff, you know.
1: All right, so it uh, sounds like uh, Garrett's promoted to lieutenant then, because uh, Nina doesn't want to take a leadership position. And uh, is essentially um, you in, place, uh, in-, in charge of um, Lone Star High Threat Response for DFW. Well and, uh, uh, you've got Nina as your right hand, um, shoot people in the head person or hand or foot or whatever else, you know, awesome. body part needs to be specifically targeted.
2: Well, I'm sure that, uh, the, uh, shooting that, uh, one, if I'm get, getting a, a butter bar on my shirt collar, I could definitely use a good sergeant to, uh, keep people in line. And I think maybe, uh, Nina getting some, uh, time is maybe say range master at the uh, training facility to uh, show these ding-dongs how to shoot properly. I don't know. I think that that should be in order.
3: That can do. A shooting instructor in Lone Star is a very privileged position.
2: I can
0: do my best to teach these yahoos how to shoot. What's that advanced
6: class uh, on uh, using non-lethal ammunition as lethal ammunition? Shut up. (laughs) <laughs> well, as as
3: Tony will attest, you can't be a Lone Star officer unless you take lots of remedial shooting training.
1: All right, so yeah, roll credits. That's the, uh, the you, there's a, a big amount of work underway. Your work's cut out for you. I uh, basically have to hit a bunch of gangs, recover a bunch of weapons, caches, analyze and potentially destroy them, and uh, essentially clean up the town. I do have a question. Um, whatever happened to those uh, government dicks? You pretty much left them out of the loop, and uh, they didn't—they uh, didn't get to uh, really take much part in the operation. Sweet. Well, they'll be well. uh, showing up at some point too. You know, they'll have to meet with uh, the captain from time to time, and you'll have to play politics with them he- here and there. But yeah, uh, you know, ultimately, they don't have much to hang over your heads, uh, provided you get things solved. Uh, they they could be valuable allies if you can turn them to your side and toss them a bone here and there. But yeah, they um they they didn't really end up playing much of a role.
4: So what you're saying was we didn't call them, so they couldn't show up to take credit. Pretty
1: exactly. much exactly. Yeah, they didn't love- like that very much. But yeah. then again, you know, being LT or being you know captain of Lone Star in DFW uh, does does give you a certain amount of clout. You can basically do whatever you want until you fuck things up to the point where they uh you know throw you under the bus. Or, you know, if you do things well enough, that doesn't happen. Or maybe you just get murdered in your office. while well, the only person who could potentially help you slinks the way to climb down the elevator shaft. Right. right. And the fall down on bullets
3: 37 <coughs> times.
1: <laughs> Sorry, uh, what would you say, Tony?
3: Uh, you could also fall down on those bullets 37 times.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the behind-the-scenes thing of what was really going on. So there's a thing called CFD that everybody's pretty familiar with at this point. Uh, essentially, nanites with a matrix entity or entities, you know, AIs, so to speak, of a certain certain uh, order, or should I say disorder, uh, use these, these nanites to essentially take control of your brain and rewrite your personality with their own. And they're essentially in competition with each other as well as your original personality. That's kind of what normal CFD is, and it takes months or at least weeks for them to get the job done and you know, subsume your personality and, and replace. And they oftentimes are warring with each other. There's also different varieties of them. Uh, back when we played a uh, game campaign that took place in uh, Dallas many years ago, we were playing 3rd Edition. It was run by uh, another GM called... Uh, his name was David... We called him Little Dave because there was another guy named Dave who played with us who was um, well physically a lot larger. So there's Big Dave and Little Dave, mm-hmm. and uh, that that campaign went on for a while. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time um, basically building up this gang. And uh, one of the subplots that happened was that there was this guy who was essentially an anarchist and terrorist, uh, who was, was essentially his ex-girlfriend, who essentially you know was was terrified of him. Uh, joined the gang and talked a little bit about him. We're like, yeah, no big deal. We worry. Eventually, at some point, we we came to heads with with him directly and actually took him out and killed him. But it turned out that uh, we found out that he had distributed a large amount of essentially personafix BTL chips that would, if someone slotted them, essentially take over, take them over, and, and run essentially permanently with his personality and his goals. Just kind of slipped in with uh, a B- general BTL distribution, so even though we killed him, we essentially found out that uh, ultimately he couldn't be killed, and there was no way of telling how many of him were out there doing his thing when the CFD came along as a means of taking people over this essentially like matrix like entity of this this person this this sort of anarchist terrorist. Who was inspired by Tyler Durden from Fight Club? Basically, um, already had a lot of experience taking over people, so he was able to utilize the mechanism of CFD to essentially stomp on whatever other Matrix entities were involved, take control, and take rapid control of people's minds using the same means that a means and pathways that a persona chip would take. So essentially, he could take almost immediate control of someone within seconds to some degree, but then it would still take longer to do the final full overwrite. But by that time, they'd already done whatever they'd done and were probably killed. or uh, So basically, he um, uh, the, this person with a hoodie was someone who had slotted the BTL chip longer ago and then also had become infected with CFD and uh, had a nanite hive and was able to produce these nanites in a much, much greater concentration the normal so he was basically full of full of the stuff and he uh, one of his goals like where he was originally physically killed was in Dallas Fort Worth so that's where he really wanted to hit hit hard uh, with a pretty major prejudice against Lone Star and other other institutes of, of power and control and uh, basically, just wanted to destabilize the whole metroplex. Not really any super massive organized goal in place, but more of a dirtin style. Let's blow up the, um, you know, let us let, blow up the, uh, the 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 bank buildings and HQs and and let the chips fall where they may. So, uh, phase one was just getting a bunch of weapons out there. Uh, phase two was getting uh, a number of weapons that could deploy these these nanites that could infect people. And actually, some of those were used in the attack in the government building with the attempt of getting some nanites near or onto maybe some some government employees where they could then uh, get some things in place for some larger operations. And then uh, essentially phase three was to uh, blow up a bunch of buildings. So you guys stopped that, but there are a number of people out there that have been passed along with this version of CFD and completely written over, and there are many, many more of this person out there just waiting to do more chaos when the time is right
0: so we just shoot him with gel rounds to start with and then actually bring one in right
1: yeah right
0: without killing him this time
1: <laughs> no the, the problem with CFD is they don't actually drop until they're dead damn it so you'd have to capture them in some other way and th- these these people are such where they essentially they, they believe themselves to be part of this greater entity where um well if they die they die but you know they can't actually you can't actually kill the idea the original so he'll be back to cause more trouble i'm sure in there or somewhere else um, but um yeah i guess um if we're gonna do something where you have know, the movie with the credits roll and there's a the thing at the very end we got tony who's back in the streets doing some investigating meets with some witnesses kind of chats with them for a little bit delves into their minds to find out some dark secrets that they have and uh, kind of lets them go and, and log some things and he kind of Make a little plan to uh, disrupt their lives a little bit later. Just kind of reach in the pocket and taking out this, this BTL chip that was handed to him by a man with a hoodie in the barn some weeks ago. Yeah, Holmes. Right. I said Holmes. You what now? Uh, Holmes, you've uh, again, this is a credits roll. So this is sort of the the, the post credits <laughs> uh, scene where you know you're you've just been interviewing some witnesses, checking out some cold cases. You've been able to pull some interesting information from one of their minds. You're, you know, kind of make your additions to your files. And uh, just you're sitting at the cafe after they leave. Just kind of reach in your pocket and take out this BTL chip that you were handed by the man with the hoodie some weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And we'll leave it at that.
4: Dun, dun, dun.
1: Um, if it matters, everybody gets 10 karma for completing the campaign. In addition to what you've already gotten. Well, I'm not sure ready. if we'll ever revisit these characters. Um, I kind of think the, the the chapter's probably closed, but um, we might come back to them at some point in the future, maybe. If we're struck with the inspiration, but we'll probably just move on to other things. Who knows, though. Did we lose somebody? No. I don't think so. I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess I just counted wrong, so... Alright, uh, end of the campaign. I guess uh, I just want to delve into a bit of a post-mortem then of the Lone Star campaign. Uh, well, first of all, uh, did you guys have fun? Absolutely. Yeah.
4: Yeah, absolutely. That's was good times.
1: Yes, it was fun.
2: enjoyed yeah,
1: it. So what do you guys think of that, that That struck you as the most different doing a Lone Star campaign versus a more traditional Shadowrun campaign? Didn't
2: I
4: didn't to torture anything. anybody. <laughs> I used more jail rounds than I ever have
6: before.
3: I, I think it's just everybody not recognizing we have the force of the state behind us.
6: Yeah, there's yeah. probably probably a whole lot more opportunities for us to call in support that we never really did because, you know, as players, we're just not used to having that.
1: We hardly spent any of our budget. Yeah, I kind of gave you that budget, but you know, you you had that sort of option of support, but I, I did want to, as far as how the campaign went, give you a uh, sort of a finite amount of support where you're given X amount of and that you could spend on you could spend it on drones, or maybe on a power focus, or you know, other things, but you, you could also spend it on the resources of the Force.
5: I, I think we ended up with the same kind of problem as people often have with computer role-playing games, where you have this giant pile of potions that you're always saving for just the right time.
0: Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah exactly. You're
1: scared to use your budget, but uh, yeah
6: yeah that makes sense i mean you know as far as like a playing a campaign go it's a it's a resource that we as players aren't just ever used to having so i think uh, at least for me that was always in the back of the mind of like you know maybe we should you know, like use some of those dollars for this thing you know but never really capitalizing on it because well you know we can we can we we can make it fly some other way
1: uh, and on the flip side though um you know as is, is as opposed to a normal Shadowrun gaming, mean, you, you didn't have these chunks of money that were coming in as you completed different jobs or objectives. When I mean, you had your sort of monthly pay, but you know the timeline went to such where that didn't come up very often, and it wasn't you know really big enough to be like, okay, now I'm ready to do my next big gear upgrade. Yeah. Also, you seemed to have less time to spend the karma on training as you know things went on. I tried to work in a you know, little bit of a breaks where you had you know a week or two here and there to to do something, uh, what, or were some something. Of, what were some of the things you, you felt like didn't work as well with this kind of campaign or with this campaign specifically
5: I feel like there's uh, a lot of times where we were kind of hung up on the hierarchy with with sh- a regular Shadowrun game people kind of know, know their role and they're willing to go off and do it but with this one it felt like we had an organization with a leader and we needed to Wait and see what the leader wanted to do, and I think that kind of slowed things down in some places. That's not what Tony wanted. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that
3: a lot. Everybody's like, blah, blah blah, LT," and I was like, "You guys should be doing stuff, and then LT has to figure out how to cover up for everything." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that—that's you know, throw a little real, real world in there. That's kind of how it works a lot of times, you know. But I think on top of that, one of the uh, it was people trying to settle in to the roles kinda of like, All right, I, I know how to I know what I want to do, but how do I do it as a cop? That was kind of the big thing that I noticed.
6: Yeah, I think uh, you know, as at least as far as my character setup goes, I spent a lot of time deliberating could the things that I wanna do well, you know, with kinda of like the mind rapey, would that even be something that would be legitimate within the Lone Star organization or would that just totally get us in hot water? Tony's there
1: to cover everything up. I I tried to be fairly clear in the beginning that essentially you could mine rape as much as you want, just the stuff gained directly from the mine rapes wouldn't be admissible in court. So you better be able to back it up with other stuff. Right. All right, well, uh, I guess I'll just run down with uh, each person. I just wanted to, I guess, get uh, what you thought was your favorite moment of the campaign. Uh, Voss, what do you think? You're first in the order of the people in the TeamSpeak window, so I'm picking on you first.
5: Gotcha. Give me a second to think about it.
1: All right, well, gosh. actually, let's go in the reverse order then, and we'll go with, uh, Ken, what, what was your favorite part of the campaign?
4: <laughs> totally the ice cream truck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the deep cover uh,
6: ice cream truck that actually had, like, <laughs> real customers waiting on us. <laughs> yeah.
4: No, that was fun. Uh, just playing a regular in general. I've never gotten to play one, so being able to jump into different uh drones and stuff and uh do what this drone can do and then jump in the next drone and, and you know this having a steel links for combat and having the uh little cockroach guys for uh, reconnaissance and the uh aerial drones it was it was pretty fun.
1: Yeah no I say being a rigger is definitely different from your other sort of technomancer character that you've been playing since well, fifth edition.
4: Yeah. Yeah it was uh it was Yeah,
1: it was fun. So, Tony, how about you? What was your favorite moment of the campaign? I
3: liked uh, shooting uh, Billy Joe's uh, contact, Billy Bob, in the the knee.
1: (laughs) That was pretty awesome. (laughs) What was that? Shooting your your contact in the knee. (laughs) (laughs) You seemed so offended when I took a point of loyalty off, and I was like, how does that not happen?
4: <laughs> yeah, at that point that made me realize, man, you gotta work your uh your contacts. Uh otherwise <laughs> stuff like that you're gonna lose a point of loyalty. That totally made sense after that.
1: <laughs> All right, uh Garrett, how about you? Oh it was I definitely the uh,
2: the assault on the precinct house. You know, when everything was hitting the fan and we had no idea what's going on, but we just knew that there was some bad thing out there that we were trying to avoid. So that that was kind of uh, my whole favorite scenario, the way you're we just you know it was a good old fa- it was about as close as we got in this campaign to kind of like, kind of like an old-fashioned dungeon crawl, where you had to watch what we we're doing, watch you know our ammo supplies and stuff like that, and just do what we can just to try to get through with you know that little kind of a boss ending with the the
1: steel links inside. Yeah, that was fun. All right, Nina, how about you? I'm trying to
0: decide among a couple, two three choices. So come back to me.
1: All right, um I'll jump back up to Vossen's even a moment to think I think the jewelry store was probably my favorite part
5: it was uh it was us as cops going up against a a team of runners or the equivalent basically and it was kind of fun doing that from the other end of the spectrum you know I, I've been on plenty of runs where we go into steal stuff from someplace but being the response team coming in and dealing with the uh the criminals was kind of cool. I like that.
1: Yeah, nice. Yeah, that 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 was a that was a cool sequence of you know actions. I think that spread across a couple of sessions actually. Well, there was the, the jewelry store thing, but then there was the combat we picked up on from there, and then the kind of sewer chase. We actually managed to catch up with most of what what was stolen. Give me a good excuse to pull you in as the task force, though. I was going to do that anyway, but you know, <laughs> that was a fun sort of prequel set of uh, objectives. All right, Holmes, how about you? You know, this one's hard for me because
6: there's, there's so much that I liked, but I think it kind of comes down to a couple different things for me. Probably my favorite kind of moment of gameplay overall, I'll refer to as the quote-unquote Johnny Cab incident. Um, that one was, <laughs> that, that, that was pretty freaking hilarious in that of was itself. complete
1: improv as a result of a lot of critical glitches on edge tests driving through a bad part of town yeah <laughs> you know I, I really enjoyed that
6: but it, when, when it comes to like you know kind of overall for the campaign uh, I really enjoyed the flavor characters so like the Buckner and the super cop guy who was a dick um, and you know I, I, I kind of shed a tear at the end of the campaign because while I really enjoyed screwing with Buckner, I did not get to be the roundabout way cause of his death. So, in that, I'm sad. <laughs> because I've been gunning for figuring a way to maybe shoehorn in a lot more danger into that into that background character, like, the entire time we've been playing.
1: Yeah, and, of course, him, like, getting his promotion to essentially uh, right-hand administrative person to the captain is his worst possible... Uh, worst possible thing that could happen from his perspective, because he just wants to get back out on the field, but he's just called upon so much for the administrative work that he is a <laughs> career desk jockey.
6: You know, it's funny when I think of our campaign as 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 like a you know kind of like a spinoff sitcom. I feel like Buckner would be one of those characters that he could spin off into his own show.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can almost see him uh, at some point, you know, maybe a couple of years down the road, quitting his job and moving to another city and becoming a shadow runner just you to get, get back in the action. <laughs> what was that uh, Carlton? I want to see uh, Buckner as a vigilante. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Like, like a Batman type character. Oh my god. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Buckner has
5: gear determination. <laughs> He's got all the gear and uh, equipment he can steal, has steal out of Lone Star's vaults and uh, all the, you know, data on criminals and everything. It's, he's got the perfect situation for it.
0: Oh, and that's he's, perfect. He's got all the knowledge of bureaucracy to just be completely fed up with all the red tape and the bullshit.
1: Yeah, but enough enough knowledge in that to cover his trails as far as it's the right. evidence locker steals and stuff like that. <laughs> doing what to grab and when, maybe returning things to certain points in time. I could see him pulling off all these operations just completely under the radar with anybody else there. That's perfect. I mean, just think of the stories that NPC would have to tell
6: as a result of our gameplay. It's just crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I suppose I should probably, since I've put you guys all in the spot, I should pick a favorite moment of the campaign. There's a bunch of them. It's hard for me to pick. Um, you know, I just thought of it now that I should probably do one of these, but I, I'm just busy listening to all your guys' moments. Um, no one's mentioned the club yet. The club was awesome. I'm
2: trying Definitely. to forget about the club. <laughs> I, I wish we had a little bit more time to kind of develop the club, just a bit more so we could have had a little bit more fun with it, but it's just kind of one of those things that just never really kind of came up and presented itself as such. Yeah. Well, it, it was that a fun whole operation has
1: been assigned to Holmes now. <laughs> exactly. perfect, absolutely perfect that is awesome um, oh yeah, I can come back to Nina because we didn't get your answer
0: well, I kind of have trouble picking as well um, I guess I, I enjoyed um, I enjoyed going into that building where they were all assembled around that uh, piece of ordnance when we first encountered the, I guess blood crazed CFD folk Oh, that was awesome, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Among many others,
1: that was cool, too.
5: It's nice foreshadowing with the spirit I summoned there, too.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, so I guess I'm going to go with um, had lots of favorite moments, but I really enjoyed sort of bringing in the VV, this gang that we had played in this gang campaign years ago for essentially this long-running campaign, uh, kind of dropping in things from behind there that, you know... Really, only one other person in the group would have, you know, necessarily remembered or picked up on. But it, it was fun bringing that history into the game and tying that, having that tie into, um, you know, Chavez's undercover background. That that's kind of getting involved with <laughs> your Lone Star, but you're you're trying to f- essentially fight off these gangers that are trying to wipe out the VV. Because of course, the the entity that is. Um, pulling all of this one of his sort of secondary objectives is to wipe out the vv because they were the ones who killed their original physical uh person that started it all which is why they were never supplied with weapons and why they were attacked so heavily and out of those moments the um i guess the key one that i'll pull for, for a moment would be when when uh holmes cast the the um Control Mine. thought spell on the ganger with the missile launcher, which it resulted in him enough. taking out some of his buddies, <laughs> and that resulted in blowing up several members of the party to the point of, I think what two or was it three burnt edge in the process. I know you had one <laughs> for me. Yeah, there was there was one for you, and there was one from I think Garrett as well as Voss, right? All three of you lost an edge in that, or I think
2: so, yeah. Or uh, Garrett, I did you not? Really close. I was taken right up to the limit.
1: Yeah, and then and then, then someone
2: uh, stabilized me.
1: Nina had slipped away a little bit farther, so she was out of the blast race. But yeah, that was awesome. Unexpected, very much so. And um I have to say out of all the Shadow Run that I've run since fifth edition, this campaign has certainly resulted the most burnt edge <laughs> that I've seen. No, well okay, burnt edge from like trying to save a life. There, there there was a thing that hasn't come up yet in the actual like um airing of the campaign, but there's one particular combat where a lot of people burnt edge. In our um, Shadowrun actual play game, so I guess it probably ties with that. But even so, it's uh, it's rare that I see that come up as often.
6: Well, it definitely, as a player, taught me to be much more specific in the requests that I make under
1: such uh, occasions.
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because uh, the GM's kind of like an evil genie. Any loophole you leave me, <laughs> and, okay. And and I, I pulled that one. Another favorite moment of mine was when Holmes almost got eaten by ghouls. <laughs> I, I threw that in as just sort of like an interesting twist to things that were going on, kind of based on, almost on in the actual play campaign, where there was March 17th, where the drekstorm run happened. Yeah. There were ghouls kind of wandering around at night looking for the people who were drunk and passed out to grab a meal. The same kind of thing I figured would happen on Halloween. You know, people are going to be drunk and passed out, or wandering around and stumbling around, and people are in costumes. So, why not, as ghouls, take advantage of that and go running around and see if you can grab a meal um, on the go
0: and buy to boo? Yeah.
1: So I sort of threw that in as this, you know, flavor aspect of you know this thing that might have been going on at that point in time. It's a rough part of town. It totally makes sense. And I thought it would be a fairly you know low difficulty situation, but uh, I didn't realize just how vulnerable Holmes was kind of on his own like that. <laughs>
6: oh, yeah. You know, he's, he definitely does better as, uh, as as part of the pack unless he knows he's got the uh, the tactical advantage. And that's kind of the way that I envisioned him being is that, you know, kind of a one trick pony.
1: Oh, so, yeah. I guess I'll say as we wrap up this campaign, um, once again, I'm glad you guys had fun. Uh, great job. We had a... I had a blast running, running the game. There were there was uh, definitely a lot of adjustment for me as a game master trying to run something where there was this kind of stuff to discover in the background, and I wasn't quite sure how you guys were going to stumble across it or find it. Um, so it was very different from a normal shadow run. There was less sort of direct kind of calls to action than what you have in a normal campaign, like break into this building, steal this, do that, this thing happens. Um you have to deal with that security system. This is more like, well, how are you guys going to figure this out? What leads are you going to follow? And um, the, the pacing of the game was very difficult to run. Yeah, and I, I think that, that being the nature of uh, something like this, that isn't
6: necessarily uh, here's your paycheck, go do a thing, but necessarily just you know keep the peace and keep it from all going off the rails. I think, I think it kind of lends it to itself That to itself, in a way, just because it was a very different approach to the same game.
1: Overall, uh, I think we kind of picked up on the rhythm for it a little bit more on... more further on, I should say. And uh, I think it was... I think overall it was a pretty successful game. Um, I think we we got a a good full story told and um, took Shadowrun in a direction that you don't normally see, which is something I think uh, would be fun to continue with uh, for the Essentially, the, the bonus Patreon campaigns. Have them be like episodes of Cops. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like show a different side of Shadowrun than, than you'd normally normally see. Like, you know, with uh, our uh, regular actual play campaign, is uh, they're, they're a team of Shadowrunners doing their thing. So that's its very core Shadowrun. Yeah. This is very, just taking it in a very different direction. But, yeah, well, we'll see what we do with uh, with the next campaign. Um, any uh, other people want to throw in some last words on the uh, Lone Star campaign?
6: Yeah, kind of, sort of. You know, I had a great time playing with everybody, and uh, I was super stoked to be able to play in such a non-traditional campaign setting that, uh, you know, it, it I was I was kind of blown away about how different it was. And uh, at the same time, it just made it that much more enjoyable to take a system that I now you know feel pretty comfortable with, and just do something totally, completely different than what you'll ever see, probably in a home campaign or at a convention.
4: I'll agree with that. It was uh, the only the only real issue I had was I don't really you know in real life I don't really know police procedures very much, so I had the same problem I,
1: basically tra- having to be in charge of the police force. And, yeah you know, the way it would operate, and I just sort of did a lot of hand waving him because you no, know, we we did have, have Rob in the group. Which, you know, since you're an actual cop in real life, um, it was handy to be able to call on you for, well, what would this be like?
4: Yeah, exactly. It was good to default to him because he had, you know, even though we didn't say a lot uh, over the mic, he was constantly feeding us notes, uh in the, the TeamSpeak uh, chat window. So that was very helpful. And then whenever yes. I was drawing a blank, I just uh,
1: go to Tony, well,
4: what do you think, LT? <laughs> <to> <laughs> pass it off.
1: Yeah, so thanks, Rob, for that help. Appreciate it.
2: Oh, uh, no Definitely. problem. But and thanks, to LT, for being honest. Yeah, you guys actually did a pretty good job. I didn't, there's a lot of times I didn't have to really do a whole lot. It was, the one thing, like I said, that you seem to have a little issues with everybody settling into the roles. And, but once we kind of did towards the end, there, you know, we started kind of realizing, all right, my job's this, my job is this, you know. All right, Lieutenant, we figured that all we needed was Lieutenant. We got to go. All right, let's do it. And that's pretty much how it works in real life.
1: Cool. I guess I figured as well that you know we, between your advice and um, maybe the some some TV shows that I've watched, um, you know, I'd have a little bit of a little bit of insight on real cop stuff, but also you know Shadowrun, Lone Star, they're not the same thing exactly they're somewhat modeled after it but they're a different animal so if I change stuff or if I get stuff wrong you know quotation marks um, it's not that big of a deal because it's different enough where I can be like well okay it's different
5: Yeah, like the time where we requisitioned those cars from the sinless hey they're sinless they're not real people right we can just take their stuff
1: (laughs) 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 cool well anybody any other last thoughts
0: Thanks, LT, for telling us what to do so often. And yeah, you yeah. Get kind,
1: of, you're kind of pinned in that leadership position where you, know, you had to make a lot of the calls.
3: That's, uh, that's okay. Um, I kind of regret not being able to play a little bit longer where I could really mess everybody up.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: <Nice>. <laughs> well, now you have an entire Metroplex force to mess up. So, Yay. But, you yeah, know, just, that'll be in your own imagination because I don't think we'll play that out.
2: Yeah, I just had a really, really disturbing thought. You've got now you've got essentially Chavez versus Chavez in this area.
1: Good point. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. I, I think there there there's plenty of seeds that have been planted as a result of what's happened in this campaign that we could possibly see a revisiting of the of, of the of the situation. <laughs> Maybe with different characters or different you know I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll even come back to these. I don't want to completely rule it out, but at least for the the plans or the the foreseeable future, um, this is the end of a campaign. Uh, Normally, gosh, I don't really end campaigns very often, but it's uh, it's a clear start and a clear end, and uh, it's kind of nice to have that on both sides. Definitely. And you know what? With this this type of
6: uh, gameplay, I think you can actually do that a lot easier.
1: Cool. Well, Thanks for being part of the Lone Star campaign.
0: The Topps Company Inc. has sole ownership of the names, logo, artwork, marks, photographs, sounds, audio, video, and or any proprietary material used in connection with the game Shadowrun. The Topps Company Inc. has granted permission to the Arcology Podcast to use such names, logos, artwork, marks, and or any proprietary materials for promotional and informational purposes on its website. But does not endorse and is not affiliated with the Arcology Podcast in any official capacity whatsoever. All other works mentioned in this podcast are the property of the respective owners. Original content of the Arcology Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 unported license. So if you use any part of the show, please give us credit. Oh, oh, oh,